This is Ham College, episode 46 for October 31st, 2018. Ham College is brought to you by ICOM. See how you can make the most out of contest season with ICOM. And by hamstudy.org, a great way to study for your next license exam. Good evening. Welcome to another exciting episode of Ham College. I'm Professor Thomas. And I'm Dean Martin. And it's good to be back again with uh, episode 46 tonight. Yeah, well, yeah, we were talking about that before. It's uh, it's hard to believe. Yeah. So you've been out with the the new uh, team here at the school this week, uh, the the Sharknado. Yeah, we got the Sharknado chasing team formed up. So um, anyway, we do communicate with... uh, two meters um, yeah you know to keep in contact and uh r- report the report <laughs> the sightings back to the weather yeah. service <laughs> <laughs> yeah and of course i'm wearing uh you know i was a graduate of radio shack university so I, yeah it's about war off there yeah it I is like the real radio shacks not the real one yeah as a matter of fact i bought this t-shirt for a dollar when they were going out of business yeah, i've got so, one just like it yeah Boy, it's going to be a tough one tonight. So I hope you're all prepared. Yeah, if uh, if buzzing hurts your ears, you may want to go ahead and get some cotton to put in there now, <laughs> because There's it's a, a tough topic. And uh, like I said uh, before, we don't really study for them; it's all off of memory. So it's probably going to be some buzzer going off. Yeah, I need. You got the water ready to cool it down. No, I don't. I thought you did. <clears throat> yeah. Anytime we're doing a live stream, we've got a chat room going on at the same time. That is amateurlogic.tv forward slash chat. And uh, there's a bunch of folks in there that are going to be feeding the answers to us tonight. So if we miss any, it's their fault. Well, we can blame it on them. I'm not sure it's their <laughs> fault. But um, anyway, we kind of compare what they're saying uh, to what we're saying and most of the time, they're pretty smart in there, but oh, yeah. we will stump them up just like ourselves. Occasionally. It doesn't happen yeah. very often. Most of the time, they, they, they're right on target. Yeah. Uh, if, you're, if you're watching the live stream and you're not in the chat room, you're missing half the fun, so come join us over there. Okay. Well, it's that time in the show where I ask Tommy here, uh, what did we talk about last month? We talked about some uh, more propagation topics. See, I, I love it because you never look down I here at the cheat at sheet. It. I don't cheat, man. To see what Skyways. we actually did. Skyways. I was, and I was right. Sort of, yeah. And uh, quad antennas. We did talk we talked about, about quad, quad antennas. antennas. Tonight, what are we going to talk about? Uh, some more stuff. John's got it right there. Stuff. Yep. And uh, there'll be some solar 
questions in yeah, there. Yeah, I think it's uh, about some uh, interference type mm -hmm. things this time. Approximately how long does it take the increased ultraviolet and X-ray radiation from solar flares to affect radio propagation on the Earth? A, 28 days. B, one to two hours. C, eight minutes. D, 20 to 40 hours. How long does it take the increased ultraviolet and X-ray radiation from solar flares to affect radio propagation on the Earth? Hmm. Well, that's quite a range of answers there. And there's a good chance I will get this one wrong because I don't remember the answer right now. But I'm going to take a stab at it out there. I think... I don't think... It doesn't take 28 days, I know that. No. And eight minutes seems too short to me, and so does one to two hours. I'm going to say 20 to 40 hours. But there's a chance I'm wrong. And they're saying C and D in the chat room. Really? Yeah, yeah. I don't think. If I was a guessing man, I think I would have to guess B. Well, we just there that was two buzzers right there. Right there. Well, who said C? John, Jeff, Casey, four MAS, and Jeff. Yeah. Wow. And uh, B Black. And Don. So, wow. We didn't do too good on that one. It's not a good way to start. That is not. I don't I, think we've ever started like that before. I'm pretty sure this is not going to be the only one you're going to hear tonight either. Well, let me see if I can get you to join the club here, the okay. buzzer club. Which of the following are least reliable for long-distance communications during periods of low solar activity? Is it A, 80 meters to 160 meters? B, 60 meters and 40 meters. C, 30 meters and 20 meters. D, 15 meters, 12 meters, and 10 meters. Which of the following are least reliable for long distance during periods of low solar activity? I know the answer to this well, one. I think, I think it's going to be D. Those are the highest frequencies 15, 12, and 10. So I think that's, I'm pretty sure it's going to be D because those would be um, at least reliable for long distance. It's, I think it's D. Yeah, that's what everybody's saying in the chat room. And I agree with you. It is D. All right. Let's get you to get that buzz going here. Next one. <laughs> Take it easy on me now. <laughs> What is the so I'm glad you got that. What is the solar flux index? A a measure of the highest frequency that is useful for our ionospheric propagation between two points on the earth. B a count of sunspots which is adjusted for solar emissions. Or C another name for the American sunspot number. Or D, a measure of solar radiation at one, or excuse me, at 10.7 centimeter wavelengths. What is solar flux index? Well, I don't think it's D, uh, solar radiation measured at 10.7 centimeter wavelength. Uh, 
Although it might be. Trineth 10.7. Yeah, I think maybe that, I think maybe that's the answer. Which one? I think it may be D, but let's go over the rest of them. A, a measure of the highest frequency that is useful for ionospheric propagation between two points on the Earth. No, that's not the solar flux index. B, a count of sunspots, which is adjusted for solar emissions. No, I don't think it's anything to do with sunspots. And C, another name for the American sunspot number. Nope, I'm saying it's D. What do you think? Uh, that sounds that sounds possible. I don't know why the 10.7 centimeters, though. D seems the most likely. Well, there, there are B's and D's both in the chat room over there. Um, but I'm pretty... I'm kind of thinking... If I, if I was answering this one, I would probably have chosen B. Okay. Well, I, I don't know why the 10.7 centimeters. This, this stuff, I don't even remember this on my tests. And it's D, um, okay. a measure of solar radiation, 10.7 centimeter wavelength. 10.7 centimeters, that's going to put it up somewhere around 28 megahertz. And I just happen to somehow remember that that's where they actually do the measuring for okay. uh, solar flux index. Oh, well, you nailed that one. Good job. Yeah. Well, I, would have, I would have gotten a buzzer on that one. Well, sure. and I would have given it to you just... <laughs> Yeah, I know you can gladly, right? Yeah. <laughs> I will right. cheerfully hit the buzzer button. Well, let's see if we can do it <laughs> this time. What is a geomagnetic storm? Is it A, a sudden drop in the solar flux index? Uh, B, a thunderstorm which affects radio propagation. C, ripples in the ionosphere. Or D, a temporary disturbance in the Earth's magnetosphere. Isn't that that round thing that guy, the bald guy on the X-Men used to get in? The magnetosphere? Yeah. You know, I didn't really watch the X-Men. Yeah. Apparently, I didn't watch it very well either. Um, What is a geomagnetic storm? That's got to be D. It's a a temporary disturbance in the Earth's magnetosphere. So, and I don't know why, just because it says mag- the magnetosphere, the magnetic field yeah. around the Earth. Well, most of them are saying D, and I, I think that's what it is. I mean, we know it's something magnetic. And I don't not know. Not from if, the X-Men. Not from the X-Men, no. Okay. All right, I got that one. Luckily. You got that one. It's going to be a long show, man. I'm probably going to have to go get a towel. I'll be breaking out in a sweat here. <laughs> She's making me work too hard. Yeah. Well, what you got for me? All right. What effect does a high sunspot number have on radio communications? A, high-frequency radio signals become weak and distorted. B, frequencies above 300 megahertz become unusable for long-distance communication. C, long-distance communication in the upper HF and lower VHF range is enhanced. And D, microwave <clears throat> communications becomes unstable. What, is, what effect does a high sunspot number have on radio communications? Well, this is kind of the opposite of the one that I have. Yeah, I think if, if you know much about HF communications, if you've experienced it, then you probably 
would know the answer to this. But if you haven't, this this could be. Uh, it would be tough. It would be tough. What effect does a high sunspot number have on radio communications? A high frequency radio signals become weak and distorted. Now, doesn't uh, make them weaker or distorted. Usually, the sunspot number helps things out. B frequencies above 300 megahertz become unusable for long distance communications. You know, I don't think that is the case there. Uh, C long distance communications in the upper HF and lower VHF range is enhanced. I think that is the answer. And D microwave communication become unstable. No, doesn't really affect microwaves. So. I'm saying C, long-distance communications in the upper HF and lower VHF range is enhanced. That means um, not the very low frequencies of HF, but you you start getting on up, sort of like that question we had earlier. Mm -hmm. And uh, lower VHF range, you know, down around 6 meters, you could see some enhancements, you know, up around there, too, and 10 meters. So, yeah, I'm going to say it's C and... Oh boy, everybody in the chat room got this one right here. Yeah. They all have call signs in front of their names. Yep. So. Yep. Voice of experience. Uh, even, well, there's one there without a call sign. Billy Joe Bill Bob got it right, uh-huh. too. Yep. And Frankie. Yep. Cool. All right. What causes HF propagation conditions to vary periodically in a 28-day cycle? Is it A, long-time oscillations in the upper atmosphere? B, cyclic variation in the Earth's radiation belt? C, the sun's rotation on its axis? Or D, the position of the moon in its orbit? What causes HF propagation conditions to vary periodically vary on a 28-day cycle. So we're talking, been, we've been talking about sunspots. That's the topic for the most part. So uh, long-term oscillations, that that's not going to be it. Cyclic variations in the Earth's radiation belts. Never even heard of that. The sun's rotation on its axis. Now that one makes sense because... The sun with the sun rotating, the sunspots are going to go. They'll be nearer or, clo- or farther to Earth, or in the direction of Earth, on on a period. And I'm assuming that must be about how long it takes the sun to rotate. I'm just not sure. But uh, position of the moon is not going to affect it. It's got to be C, the sun's rotation on its axis. Um, most of the people are saying <clears throat> C over in the chat room. We did have a couple, though, that uh, thought maybe D, maybe one. Um, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to say it's C. Yeah, that in my in my thinking, that's the only one that makes sense to me. And be wrong. I don't it know. is. No, that's the only one. Okay. And <clears throat> why a 28-day cycle? I'm assuming <clears throat> that must be how long it takes to rotate. For the sun to go all the way around. Like that's the sun's day. If there is such a thing. Is is it ever night there? 
I don't know. <laughs> it's a good question. Yeah. Uh, I imagine that's how long it takes for it to go one cycle all the way around. Yeah. It obviously must be. So, there you go. No buzzer for you yet. What does the K index indicate? A, the relative position of sunspots on the surface of the moon. B, the short-term stability of the Earth's magnetic field. C, the stability of the sun's magnetic field. Or D, the solar radio flux at Boulder, Colorado. Specifically at Boulder, Colorado. Yeah, which is where WWV is. The K index is only for Boulder, Colorado. What does the K index indicate? K for Colorado. I don't think it's the relative position of sunspots on the surface of the sun. <clears throat> Probably not. Um, short-term stability of the Earth's magnetic field. The stability of the sun's magnetic field. The solar radio flux at Boulder, Colorado. Hmm, boy, that is a tough one there. Man. Why are you giving yeah, me this Yeah, that one? is a tough one. I, I told you it was going to be who got the most buzzes going on. It's just going to depend on how the questions fell. Take a stab out there. The, I don't think it indicates relative position of sunspots at all. Yeah, I don't think so either. And I don't think it's necessarily a measurement for just Boulder, Colorado. And I don't think it's the stability of the sun's magnetic field. I'm going to say it's the short-term stability of the Earth's magnetic field. The Earth's? Yep. Okay. Because our magnetic field is being disturbed by the sun sometimes more than others. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with that. I'm going to say it's B. And the folks in the chat room? Yeah, I'll, see where you're so, I'll see what you're saying. That makes sense. That, yeah. that, might, that might be it. Uh, most folks in the chat room are saying B. So It's uh, a good chance, then. That was uh, tough, man. You, you deserve that, one for that. Yeah, I didn't really want another buzzer. Yeah, right you now. want to borrow my tissue? You, wipe your, you broke yeah. out in the sweat on yeah. that Yeah, I think I'm going to need a towel, man. <laughs> You get some of that water for the, right. for the buzzer for well, you. Well, here, let's let's see how, how you like this one. I don't like it at all. <laughs> what <laughs> does the A index indicate? A, the relative position of sunspots on the surface of the sun. B, the amount of polarization of the sun's electric field. D, the long-term stability of the Earth's geomagnetic field. Or D, the solar flux... At Boulder, Colorado. There it is again. Solar radio flux. Solar radio flux. I'm just going to scratch that one off the list because I don't think that's it. Okay. The A index. The relative position of sunspots. I I think it's going to be either C or A. And logic tells me because, because the questions typically run similar. That it's probably C, but I'm thinking it's A. What's the C? Everybody else? Well, they're, they're making no, you got to give me the answer before you look and see <laughs> what late. they say. Too late. 
I guess I'm going to go with what I was saying. The, the, the questions always kind of run together. The last one was short-term stability, and that was the K index. So I'm going to go with C for the A index. But you realize on your actual exam, you probably won't have these two questions, or at least they won't be back-to-back. Yeah. You know, they're, they're shoveled yeah, up. Yeah, I understand. But you're going to say at C after looking in the chat room. Thank you. Because you were going to say, hey. I was tempted to say you, it. I think you did say it. But let's see. Let's see. And it is C. All right. I probably All right. don't deserve a knuckle bump for that one. No, I don't think so. Because <laughs> I think you would have got that one wrong. I probably would have. Yeah. That, that's actually one of the two that I was going to pick. But Yeah. And you're right. I, I don't know the... I, need, I really need to brush up on that because I don't know the reason for it. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I've heard of the K index, but I don't really remember hearing much about A index. Well, I think we need to take a quick break and regroup here. These are tough. Yeah. All right. We'll be back in just a minute. Don't go away. For the love of the holidays, surprise your favorite ham this season with the gift that's on their hot list. The holidays are just around the corner, and ICOM has plenty of cheer for everyone. IC7610, the SDR every ham wants, and just in time for the holidays. This high-performance SDR has the ability to pick out the faintest signals, even in the presence of stronger adjacent signals. The ICOM IC7610 is a direct sampling software-defined radio that will change the world's definition of a SDR. RF Direct Sampling System, 110 RMDR, Independent Dual Receivers, and Dual Digicell. IC7300, changing the way entry-level HF is designed. This high-performance innovative HF transceiver with a compact design will far exceed your expectations. RF Direct Sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope, and SD memory card slot. ICR30, raise the bar on DC to daylight receivers, powerful yet easy to use, the ICR30 is packed full of features you've come to expect from ICOM. Built-in GPS and Bluetooth, dual bandwidth recording, high-speed scan, and there's an Android and iOS app available. The perfect stocking stuffer, the ID51A Plus 2, provides new modes for extended D-Star coverage. Enjoy integrated GPS, independent AM-FM receiver, and free Android apps. Terminal and access point mode, send and receive text messages and pictures, DV fast data mode, and easy FM repeater setting. Visit iComAmerica slash amateur for more information on all the great iCom radios. Well, George, you know what time it is. Time well, to give away some cool ICOM swag. What is? It's the uh, ICOM Ham Crew t-shirt there. And a nice ICOM ball cap. If you want to <laughs> enter to, for the contest, if you didn't do it for this month, uh, send an email to hamcollege at amateurlogic.tv to put yourself in the drawing for next month. You don't have to have a license. All you need is a name and an email address. And our lucky winner is uh, Charlie. He says, hi, guys. Charlie here. W1CEP. Not sure if you still have the monthly drawings, but in case you do, here's my entry. Thanks, and 7-3. Well, Charlie, we just do every single month. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you want to be in it for next month, do like Charlie and send us an email, and uh, and we'll put you in the drawing. Ham College at AmateurLogic.tv. And, and you can, obviously we only use that for this contest, that address. Yeah, we, we clear it out after each one, and we don't keep the email addresses even for ourselves, and they certainly don't go anywhere else. So. Now, all right, let me, uh, I'm going to go ahead and clear it out oh, right only now. Only the winning address is shared with ICOM, and then I, they probably don't keep it either. No, they don't. All right, back to the questions here. Let's see. Who answered the last one? I think you did because did. you cheated. Yeah, I cheated on the last one. <laughs> I got two answers. All right, I'll try to cheat on this one. Okay, go just get, go ahead and pick two if you're not sure. Two answers? Yeah, that's what I did. Okay, all right. What effect does a sudden ionospheric disturbance have on the daytime ionospheric propagation of HF radio waves? A- it enhances propagation on all HF frequencies. B, it disrupts signals at lower frequencies more than those at higher frequencies. C, it disrupts communications via satellite more than direct communications. Or D, none because only areas on the night side of the Earth are affected. What effect does a sudden ionospheric disturbance have on the daytime ionospheric propagation? Of HF radio waves. <clears throat> Sudden ionospheric disturbance. Uh, I'm going to say it's not D. I don't think it's only because it's affected on the night side of the Earth. And I don't think it's C. I don't believe it disrupts communications via satellite more than direct communications. So you said two answers? All right, it's either A or B. Okay, it's A, B. Yeah, let's see. It enhances propagation on all HF frequencies. It disrupts signals at lower frequencies more than those at higher frequencies. I don't think that is right. Atmospheric <laughs> disturbance. Well, uh, actually, I think it may be B because it's not talking about HF. It's just talking about frequencies. That's what I'm thinking. Lower frequencies and higher frequencies. I'm going to say it's <clears throat> B. I'm going to do like you. I'm going to say it's A and then say it's something else. Well, say it's A and then go look at the chat room. Well, and I did, and they, they're saying it's B. Okay, so you're saying it's A. I'm saying there's a good chance it's B. <laughs> so, <laughs> so let's see. <laughs> Boy, you really nailed that that was yeah I did nail it man I I didn't look till after I'd already picked me. <laughs> All right. When you take your test, don't do like us. No. Which no. <laughs> do, do like we say, not like we do. That's what we say. <laughs> Which of the following effects can a geomagnetic storm have on radio propagation? A improved high latitude HF propagation. B, degraded high-latitude HF propagation. C, improved ground wave propagation. D, improved chances of UHF ducting. Well, I'm glad you got this one. Oh, man, this is tough. Which of the following effects can a geomagnetic storm have on radio propagation? 
I think it's, I'm just going to go with B. I, I really don't know. I'm going to agree with you because I don't think a geomagnetic storm improves anything. So Okay. It, it degraded it. That was a total guess. I don't deserve a fist bump on that one either because I really didn't know. Well, that's good because I wasn't going to give you one good. on that one. I wasn't taking it. Yeah. But that was those are tough, man. I told you this is a really this is probably well, the toughest set we've had. That one, I mean, you know, there were different answers in the chat mm -hmm. room. Some of these, every one of them has, you know, said the same thing. Not not on that question right there. All right, got my fingers crossed. I'll get a good one this time. And by good, I mean one I can answer. <laughs> <laughs> How long does it take for charged particles? from coronal mass ejections to affect radio propagation on the Earth? A, 28 days. B, 14 days. C, 4 to 8 minutes. Or D, 20 to 40 hours. How long does it take charged particles from coronal mass injections, ejections, not injections, to affect radio communications on the Earth? All right. Well, you know, before the answer to that question similar to this was eight minutes. But I'm just probably going to miss this one, too. Because I would swear the answer to one of these questions tonight is 20 to 40 hours. Why would you swear that? Because you typed them in? Yeah. Although it was a while back, and I don't actually remember the no uh, the the answer anymore, but that it just seems seem like right. twenty to forty. Well, I'm glad you got this one. I don't. Uh, I don't know. I would. I would kind of say four to eight because of the other one. But well, the few who did answer it in the chat room said it was D. So maybe I'm on something there. Maybe. Wow. There you go. Well, that was a tough one. Very. What is a possible benefit to radio communication resulting from periods of high geomagnetic activity? A. Auroras that can reflect VHF signals. B. Higher signal strength for HF signals passing through the polar regions. C. Improved HF long path propagation. Or D. Reduced long delayed echoes what is a possible benefit to radio communications resulting from periods of high geomagnetic activity I, I think the answer is A I, I, again I may be wrong but I, and I'm guessing but I think it's A okay well, they're so saying... I think the geomagnetic stuff's what kind of causes the auroras. Well, it is, yeah. Yeah, so I, that, think, I think it's A. Okay. Well, if we were a little closer up there, a little Mike, further north, well, we might know for sure. Mike can confirm for us later. Yeah, well, there are... Uh, <coughs> what was Mike's answer? That's I think one. it was the wrong one. See? Improved <laughs> HF long path? Yeah. Well, let's see, because I'm, I'm thinking it's A as well. I might be. I'm an honorary Canadian, eh? A? Yeah. Kidding, Here, I'll give you a fist bump for that, eh? Wow. I, you know, that that is definitely a tough one. And I guess being further north doesn't really, uh, doesn't really clue you in that that's the right answer. 
That maybe doesn't happen very often. It says possible benefit. Yeah. Well, most everybody over in there, well, I'd say most, yeah. The ones who guessed, most of them were saying it was C, which was seemed like, you know, a pretty reasonable answer, too. Uh-huh. But it's a, well, you really pulled that one off. Uh, I'm not sure how yet, but well, you did. just kind of got lucky. I don't yeah. know why, but that one kind of stuck. I seem to remember something about that, reading something sometime. But I don't know. Who knows? How are radio communications usually affected by the charged particles that reach the Earth from solar coronal holes? A. HF communications are improved. B. HF communications are disturbed. C. VHF UHF ducting is improved. Or D. VHF UHF ducting is disturbed. <laughs> it is not C or D, I know for sure. I don't think it affects VHF and UHF. So either HF communications are improved or they're disturbed. I'm inclined to say A. There's A's and B's over would, in the chat room. I would guess A also. I, th I think that, was, that would just be... Well, let's see. Whoop. Wow. And you know, that was going to be my other answer. It was either A or B? Yep. Well, I said it wasn't C or well, D. I said, I said, I'm glad I chose B. You didn't choose B. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's two buzzers for me tonight. Wow. So I owe you a couple. Yeah. Let's see if I can that's make... okay. I got a couple a few weeks, a few months back. I... Yeah. At what point in the solar cycle does the 20-meter band usually support worldwide propagation during daylight hours? A, at the summer solstice. B, only at the maximum point of the solar cycle. C, only at the minimum point of the solar cycle. D, at any point in the solar cycle. I'm thinking it's going to be D. So you're saying the solar cycle. At any which, point. Yeah. In the solar cycle, yeah. Okay. It's possible. I'll agree <clears throat> with you. And there's not a lot of answers in the chat room. There's a few over there, and uh, they're saying it's D as well. There you go, at any point in the solar cycle. All right, on to our electronics-type questions for tonight. Uh, let's see, I guess you asked me this one. Yep. Approximately how long is each leg of a symmetrical delta loop antenna? A, one-quarter wavelength. B, one-third wavelength. C, one-half wavelength. Or D, two-thirds wavelength. It's a metrical delta loop antenna. All right. Uh, a loop antenna means it loops all the way around. A delta means, and I don't have three pins, but, uh, you know, it's like that. It's like a delta symbol. Mm -hmm. And so it's got three sides to it, and we know that a loop is... Uh, a full wave loop is is what we call it a lot of times. So I'm going to say it's one-third of a wavelength. It's B. Mm -hmm. And that's what they're saying. Most of them are saying over in the chat room, so let's see. Makes sense. And it is B, <clears throat> one-third wavelength. All right, then answer me this. How does the gain of a two-element delta loop beam 
Compare to the gain of a two-element quad antenna. A, 3 dB higher. B, 3 dB lower. C, 2.54 dB higher. Or D, about the same. Ooh, this one's going to be tough for me. You, do you know the answer to this one? Just mm -hmm. curious. You do? Mm -hmm. How does the gain of a two-element delta loop beam compare to the gain of a two-element quad? I'm going to say it's 3 dB higher. Um, that's probably not right. A? Yeah, I think it's... I'm going to say A, although it's probably... That's, I don't know. Go ahead and hit the button. Oh, it's about the same. Yeah. There's your buzzer. Yeah. Okay, there's your third buzz right there. No, well, depends on how you count. That's yeah, it's, a, it's <coughs> the third, though, actually. So, you, you want me okay. to explain this one? Yeah, go ahead. All right. So, we're talking about two-element beams. A two-element delta loop beam compared to a two-element quad antenna. Mm -hmm. which would also be a beam. Both of them are full-wave <coughs> loops. There are two elements. One of them is shaped like a triangle. Oh, the other one's, the other one's got four sides to it. Oh, okay. So, oh, that makes sense. So I wasn't it, even thinking about yeah. it like that. So they're about the same. That makes sense. So a little tricky there, but um, there's your answer. About the same. How'd they do in the chat room? Well, are they uh, most of them got it right? All right. Let's yeah, try let's, another one here. Yeah. I wasn't even thinking right on that one. Which, which of the following describes a log periodic antenna? A, length and spacing of the elements increase logarithmically from one end of the boom to the other. B, impedance varies periodically as a function of frequency. C. Gain varies logarithmically as a function of frequency. Or D. SWR varies periodically as a function of boom length. Well, I know the answer to Actually, this I one. I think I know the answer to this one myself. Well, I, I know what answer I'm going to say. What answer would you I'm say? I'm thinking it's A. Yeah, you're right. It is a the length and spacing of the elements increase logarithmically from one of the boom to the other. And there's all kind of A's down there, too. Yep. And they're all right. And a log periodic antenna looks like this. There's one right there. And you can see the, the length of the elements are varied kind of logarithmically as well as the spacing. They're not exactly the same space mm -hmm. apart. You know, as you get toward the far end down there, they get closer together. Hmm. That's, that's just one. Our old-style uh, TV antennas. Yeah. You know, those were uh, log periodics as well. Uh-huh. The, the VHF ones. So. That's pretty cool. All right. Let's see. Do we have any more? Yeah, we got one more tonight. Is it going to be a buzzer? I hope. <laughs> Which of the following is an advantage of a log periodic antenna? A, wide bandwidth. B, higher gain per element than a Yagi antenna. C, harmonic suppression. Or D, polarization diversity. I think it's going to be A, wide bandwidth. 
So you're saying it's a... Yeah. Just and like all everyone. those elements are all those different mm-hmm. lengths. Well, it's got to be... It's got to cover a pretty wide band. Yeah, I think you're right, too. That's what everybody over in the chat room is saying. Yep. Wide bandwidth, and that's that's why we even use that type of antenna, There's, and particularly the, the VHF uh, television band was real wide, mm-hmm. and that was a perfect antenna to, to build to cover that area. Yep. The one with more elements is better. Yep. And we're, people used to buy those little cheap, cheap TV antennas with just a few elements, and then the one guy that had the good one, man, he was picking up all the channels. Yeah. Yep. Um, but it's not just, well, the, the number of elements certainly has something to do with it, but it's also the spacing mm-hmm. um, and the lengths of them, the way that they put them together, they can can make it uh, broader bandwidth. Let me back up there. One thing that probably wasn't obvious in that photo, if you look, I don't know if you can see it, that's like actually two different arms out there that those elements are mounted to there on that one. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay, it sure is. But anyway. That's cool. Yeah. Well, I think that's all the questions for tonight, and a good thing because I had run out of answers completely. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm not sure we can make it through very many more. I'm not either. <laughs> Especially not another one like that other. Yeah. The one that we can never really read again. So, I've got a question for you. I thought we just said we were finished with that. <laughs> well, this is not on the paper here. This okay. one I've got here. Say, if your wardrobe only included Sharknado and Radio Shack t-shirts. Now, I can see the benefit clearly to that, but say if you want to branch out a little bit, where would you yeah. go? If you, were like, if you were like a single guy, you probably wouldn't want to go out meeting women. I don't know, you might. I don't yeah. Care. But you really want to really want to attract, then you need to go get some of these. Amateur Logic Swag. AmateurLogic.Spreadshirt.com So it's A. <laughs> and that was a really poor lead-in to this, wasn't it? It will. I don't know. I was really fishing there, man. I didn't do a very good well, job. Well, everything else that occurred tonight, yeah, that was just fine. <laughs> anyway, yeah, but we've got uh, golf shirts, ball caps, uh, ham college sweatshirts, uh, compliments of uh, Mr. and Mrs. V3MIC Designs. Anyway, check it out at amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com. What do you say we just drop by the chat room, see what's going on in there? Okay. And for those of you watching but not in there, it's amateurlogic.tv slash chat. It's 3C in Canada right now. That's uh-huh. like, uh, what would it be like 10 degrees or so? I don't I have to do the math. Yeah. 37 Four degrees. Thirty-seven. Oh, that's right. Because, uh, yeah, that's why I'm not a mathematician. W1CEP says thanks <clears throat> for the t-shirt and cap. Thanks, Icom, and you're welcome. You know, somebody's going to win that. If you're watching, you might as well just just send an email to hamcollegeamateurlogic.tv. All you got to have is a name and an email. Yeah, absolutely. They're they're nice shirts and cap. They're very very good. Yeah. 
I, I got mine finally again. Mm-hmm. If you watch live tonight, when you watch the recorded version later, you will find that some of the some people would consider Arnie would consider the highlights of the show. Yeah, a lot of that stuff will end up on the cutting room floor. It will, and that's a shame. But we may have to just make a special edition just for Arnie because he's going to hate he missed that. But um, it was a lot of laughs, like literally. In yeah, every sense of the word. Oh yeah, and uh, I think we made an impression with <clears throat> him there. He'll never forget about the um, that subject we. We had difficulty with tonight. <laughs> the coronal holes. Arnie wants an ICOM swag box. Just uh, send us an email, Arnie. Uh, you could win. Even Nancy said she laughed so hard her side hurt. Yeah, we're sorry about that. But you know, sometimes <laughs> that's just how it happens. It's not the first time either. No, we don't always recoverly <laughs> recover. See? Gracefully. That's what I'm trying to say. And not quickly tough set of questions this time definitely the hardest ones we've had yet well i knew when i was putting them in that there were going to be some difficulties tonight so this is three in one episode have we ever missed it three in one episode before i think so not out of 47 shows so we got a new goal now four (laughs) yeah that's pretty tough very uh, tough in all uh, in all fairness, though, that's like that's all from memory from uh, years ago. So, Marty says Kelly wanted me to tell you how much she enjoys your reasoning the answers out as well as your explanations. Okay, we're glad that someone enjoys them. <laughs> now there, yeah, you know, sometimes maybe we use uh, apply a little twisted logic to get to the correct answer. And we we take a few turns along the road and sometimes don't quite get there. No, some <laughs> of them you can't you can't uh, reason out. It's just going to come from flat out studying and, and learning. Yeah, the, the answer. But some of them you you know you can work your way through them if you think mm-hmm. through each one of them carefully. W one C E P asks, where do you guys tape? Well, I've got a a building here. It's a I call it a shack slash shop slash studio slash man cave. Yeah. It's a, a building beside my house that I uh, built a few years ago. We actually started out in another building on this same location that was Much about smaller. a third of the size of this one. Yeah. So we've got a little more room spread out in here. We were, it was so tight in there. That's back when Jimmy was with us, yeah. too, and there were three of and us. We were all, like, there. shoulder to Literally. shoulder. Yeah. And there wasn't any room on either side of us, either, you know. Yeah. Was, and most of the time, we had to sit over there in front of your computer. Yeah. Or at the workbench. It was close enough you could almost reach out and touch the camera. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a long time ago. Yeah. 13 years. Mm-hmm. It really takes a lot more time to, to pull off than you would think. But, you know, it's fun, and we enjoy doing it, and uh, really appreciate well, everyone we, watching. I mean, that's pretty obvious we're having a good time. Yeah. So, yeah. Lots so, of laughing and hijinks going on here. Yeah. There's a lot of it goes on before we ever even get on the air. Yeah. 
<clears throat> I don't know how many um, how many of you that are watching live tonight ever go back and watch the recorded versions, but there's quite a bit of editing that goes on afterwards because we've been recording for like an hour and a half now, an hour and 20 minutes, I guess. And that's, we try to cut the episodes down. We shoot for an hour, but we hardly ever make that anymore. So yeah, some stuff gets cut out, like particularly where the intermission stuff, where there might be an old commercial in there or some music or something. We finally just almost always cut that out now in the, the final version because YouTube has really gotten um, aggressive about copyright flagging and stuff. And there's people claiming copyright to stuff you would never believe Yeah, that somebody would have a copyright to. But uh, So anyway, we have to be pretty careful about that stuff. Tom says I watch the edited ones when I fly and don't enjoy them nearly as much because I know I'm missing out on a lot of laughs. Maybe we should just not edit it, just put it out there like it is. Just raw? Just raw. You think they could, the public's uh, ready for it? I would probably lose a lot of viewers like that. Some people, yeah. it just, some people like the to see that part, and then some people like just the, the clean, pre-canned. When I say clean, you know, just uh, all the dead air stuff cut off and the uh, yeah. The mistakes cut out and all that. So. Well, there he is. I cut out a lot of the dead spaces in there while we're sitting there going, uh, mm, Yeah, or like when we stutter, know. stumble on, stammer on one of the questions or the answers, yeah. just like yeah. I just did there, you know. Yeah, if we have to here. read the question three times, <clears throat> we you're figure only, You're once. only going to get one of yeah. them in the final one. Yeah. Don't make it like a crappy TV show. Um... It is what it is. Uh, it's the same way we've done all of them. So yeah. No plans on changing them. Yeah. So. Um, it's just us. What mm. you see is like just pretty well the real thing. Yep. It's we don't want to call it reality television either because we don't we don't claim to be no. of that genre at all. No. But but it's uh, but it's just us. Tom says, uh, George, uh, maybe, and Tommy, maybe you could put a blooper reel at the end of the edited version. Hmm. That's an idea. We do usually stick a few out there, but not, not the whole thing. Can't put them all. It'd be yeah. longer than the rest of the show. <laughs> all right. Well, Tommy, it's I mean, probably about supper time, isn't it? You know, we ought to do next, uh, we could be working on in between, like that's probably going to really happen. But uh, next year's anniversary thing, we could uh, we ought to have a come up with a blooper. There's probably still a lot of them around. Yeah, um, at the end of the shows, I mean, all the B roll is is pretty, pretty much, much gone because it'd just be. Might I don't be know what's about. what's next size up from a terabyte. Petabyte. Petabyte. Yeah. We'd probably have petabytes of B-roll if we could save it all. So we need to start saving up, get more hard drives. Yeah, because back when we started, you know, doing these things on floppy disk was really challenging. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Bring back some of Jim's bloopers again. Oh, yeah, we'll bring back Jim again. 
Yeah, well, we just did. We did. I think he'll be back again, too, on Amateur yeah. Logic. Yeah, um, I think so. Yeah, we had a great time. He did, too. So, And he had some interesting projects yeah. he's working it on. It was good so. to see him. I hadn't seen him in person in a long time. Yeah. All right. Thanks for being here tonight, everyone. Uh, we hope you learned something, how to avoid the buzzer. As we we didn't learn it. No, <laughs> not too good tonight. But uh, much more challenging questions, and I can't promise that they're going to get any easier. After all, this is a general exam we're studying for now. Yeah, wait till wait till the extra. Yep. So anyway, seventy three, everybody. Thank you. Thanks for being with us. Seven three. We'll see you at the end of next month, and we'll see you for Amateur Logic. I think we're going to shoot that on the 16th of November. Yeah, that's what it looks like due to some other things going on. So, might be a few days late shooting that. Save three. And uh, there'll be some solar questions yeah, in there. Yeah, I think it's uh, about some uh, interference type things this time. Mm-hmm. That sun to the layperson. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't get me started already. <laughs> All right, here's one for you. How are radio communications usually affected by the charged particles that reach the Earth from solar coronal holes? What's wrong? I don't know what happened, but it was funny. Apparently, real funny. Time for a commercial. Yeah. How are radio communications usually affected by the charged particles that reach the Earth from. Stop. How are radio communications? <laughs>